Thank you so much for singing and entering in to worship. We invite the, the, our, our goal is to come in, have the presence of the Lord. You bring the presence with you, by the way. The building is a building. The church is the people. So appreciative of the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell within us to make a difference. That's what it's all about. Um, we have brothers and sisters all around the world that are worshiping Jesus. Heaven is going to be filled with every, every race, every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so we're blessed. Um, wherever you go when you're visiting, sometimes you may not know anybody, but you sense that there's a common denominator in Christ, that we are bond, we are bonded with Christ. So it's a great thing. So welcome to the, to the service today. I believe in the Word of God, that it is the authority of God. It's spoken Word that still lives on, that it is the final authority, that it will um, bring us to understand. I understand my daughter spoke last Sunday, and I think she emphasized the importance of reading Scripture. Is that right? And uh, why well, I was thrilled to hear that. Uh, I knew that she'd been reading her Bible more. And uh, when she told me that it helped, um, it make more sense when the preacher talked. It's huge in the Word. And so what a blessing to me. I am so blessed to have a family that is uh, have two, two sons, a, 26, a 27-year-old now. Can you imagine? I think he's 27. And then the next one down, 26. And then we have two girls, 18 and 16. So we're just about there, empty nesters. But we're kind of, oh, boy. This is already feeling a little bit of that empty nest thing. I think you guys are kind of, kind of in that same situation. But the Lord has a plan. We, we walk in its um, not knowing about tomorrow, but we know who does. We don't understand why, why Seth had to have that accident. I don't understand it. But we live in this world, and there's no guarantees. But God is God, and he is faithful. And I, I've been believing for greater grace, greater grace. I think God can do that. He said he wouldn't give us more than we can handle. And some of you are thinking, wow, I don't think I can handle anymore. When God is merciful, God is grace, gracious to us. We started a series in the book of John several Sundays ago. We think we, uh, we were in fourth chapter last time I spoke a couple Sundays ago. That was a story about the Samaritan woman. Remember that story? Jesus came at the well. Uh, the Samaritan, Samaritan people, however, were not, were not associated with Jews. It's just like, you don't do that. Uh, they didn't mix. But Jesus broke all the barriers, broke sometimes the religious rules, and Jesus was Jesus, and he's the Word of God. And he spoke life into that woman, and that woman went back to her village. Remember, she was changed, and she told her people what had happened, and she said, this, this is the Christ. This is the one we're looking for. And so the whole village practically, turns out to meet Jesus. And the whole village, it seems that most of them believed on the Lord. So the goal of the church, the goal as believers, is to help one more person become a believer. That's the goal. And that's actually the theme of John, the book of John. And how many remember John 3.16? whosoever, right? Whosoever believeth. And oftentimes Jesus would ask that question, 
who do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe that I'm the Son of God? Who do you, who do you say that I am? He said to Peter. And so now we're in the fifth chapter, and this begins with a kind of an interesting situation. Um, I'm not sure how often this happened, but the Bible says there was a pool. And if you read it, verse 2, there was this, this is in Jerusalem at the, at the Sheep Gate, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. So this is an area inside the gates and which laid multitudes of people who were sick, blind, lame, uh, withered, waiting for what would happen. angel would come and stir the water, and whoever got in at first was healed. Now, can you imagine the anxiety of never being able to get there? Always somebody else got there before you. It reminds me of my dog, Toby. And Oakty, Toby's the young dog, Oakty's the old dog. And so if we give a treat or, um, you're not supposed to give table food, right? But sometimes we slip it in there. Um, if I don't place, if I don't trick the young dog, Oakty will never get anything. Can you see it? Because if I put the food on there, it's Toby's right there gobbling. And Oakty's old, he's hard as hearing, he's hard as seeing. His reflexes aren't what they used to be. But listen, he still stands his own, too. And the young dog gets, if he, when he's eating his food, if the young dog comes over, it'll be, and Toby's in his place. But I'm just trying to say that that's a scenario. That's the thing that was going on. The man that was trying to get there for so long says to Jesus, how, and Jesus answered, do you want to get well? It's like, what? Obviously, Jesus knew he wanted to get well, but what I think Jesus was after was the faith. Do you have faith to get well? Interesting. And so the man says, how, how am I supposed to get well? What was, he was thinking, well, the waters move the stir, and I have no man. I have nobody to put me in the pool. Listen, we don't have to have anyone put us in the pool today. Jesus is in our heart. We come to him. He's always available. He's always there to call upon. He's always there to ask, and you shall receive. Call upon him, and he is near while he is near. So the Lord demonstrates his power, his grace, his mercy, and he heals this man and says to rise up, walk. Immediately, you often see this in Scripture in the Gospels, immediately, and walked for many, many years, if ever, and immediately. What a miracle. What a transformation that he was up and he walked. And now this causes um, conflict in the religious arena. Now, not only uh, did Jesus heal someone, and then he proclaims that he's equal with the Father later on, but really stirred up the nest, but... He did it on the Sabbath. And the man was carrying his pallet, which you don't do on the Sabbath. So you read these portions of Scripture, and you think, what will it take? How can we get through to people that it's not about just doing something religious, that somehow we'll hope we'll get it to heaven 
But it's about having a relationship with the true God and walking with him day by day that when he calls us, we will know his voice. But when he speaks to us, we will understand that it is his voice that is speaking to us. And so Jesus demonstrates to the man and demonstrates to the crowd his power. And I want to zero in on just a couple of thoughts that are here especially down to verse 15, 16, and 17. And the man went away, told the Jews, and it was Jesus who had made him well. And for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. I want to think about that today. What, is it, what did he mean? My father is working. You mean God is working yet? Yes. God started the earth, started the human race so many years ago. And we believe in the beginning was God instituted. He spoke the earth into existence. He spoke mankind into existence. And he's still working. Well, what does his work look like? What is he doing? He's watching over our hearts. He's looking for our hearts that are willing to say yes to him. His heart First and foremost, foremost, all God's heart is that which everyone would believe. Everyone would have a chance to understand who he is. That he does care about your neighbor. He does care about your family member that's not serving him even today. Nothing is more important to the heart of God than souls. The eternal destination of people. The place where we'll live forever, either with him or without him. Jesus demonstrates his healing power, oftentimes to demonstrate to people that he is who he is. That there is no, none other that can do what he can do. He demonstrated to a world around him that it ridiculed and spit upon him and crucified him. That yet still you don't know what you're doing. Yet I die for you willingly. Hebrews said he looked past the shame. He looked past the cross. And I think he could see in the future that he could see all the souls of men and women that were coming to Jesus through his death and resurrection. Jesus is a healing Lord. Jesus is the one who walks with us through every situation in this life. One of the benefits, the psalmist said that he heals all my diseases. Psalm 103. What a benefit to walk with the Lord and know that we have access to his healing. Now I'm going to say something that I, I think that sometimes we need to clarify. God doesn't always heal the way we want to. But he's still, it is, it, in, it is in his nature to heal. The greatest healing, I think it still is, is that when a soul or a heart knows and understands his need for him, and says, yes to Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new creation. Make me what I ought to be. The gospel seems to allude to the, uh, something here that I picked up on, uh, verse 14, after Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, he said this, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore. And so some may say, well, sin, there's always a reason why someone's sick or gets, you know, gets something, gets cancer, gets something. There's always a reason. Some may say, well, it's because there's sin in your life. Well, Jesus says in another place, in fact, this Gospel John chapter 9, verses 2 through 3, 
Let me read them for you. I can find them here. There, there was a situation, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, and, he, and that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, I was, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in them. So here we have another situation. There's a blind man. His disciples are wondering, well, who sinned? There must be because of sin. And oftentimes people uh, have accusations like they did toward Job, a righteous man living for God, finds himself in desperation. His health is lost. He's, he's scraping himself with pottery because of the sores that were on his body. He lost his children. He lost his family. He lost his livelihood. Many times, I think he was down to a point where he wanted to really ask God, why? And it's those times where you wonder, is God really who he is? It's time when you pray and nothing happens, seemingly. Or it doesn't change. It doesn't get better. And you wonder, where's God? Have you ever had those moments? But yet, down deep inside, like Job, he understood when God spoke to him. You know what we need when we're down? A word from the Lord. A word from the Lord. A word that will remind us, I have not forgotten you. I know your name. I know everything about you. The psalmist says he knows every thought that we have. He's acquainted with our thoughts. And the scriptures that you read, that Derek read, about God is able to work all things together for good. All things together for good for those who love him. And so when you don't have the answers, when you seem like even your prayers seemingly are not making any difference, God is working. I wonder sometimes if God isn't doing some of his best work through the pain for the time that we're wondering, is there something I'm missing? Am I doing something wrong? And many times I think we just need to, I read recently as a psalmist said, be still, be still and know I'm God. You know what, it's okay. You don't have to have the answers. You know what's okay about that? God has the answers. When I try to figure it out, when I try to make assumptions, then it's my problem, right? I begin to carry the burden too much. But when I say, God, it's in your hands, what a freedom. What a weight that gets lifted. Because he really meant what he said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. All that are weary underneath the burden of, 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 of situation, whether it be the burden of sin, whether it be the burden of, of crisis. I just think there's, there's just a time and a place that God really wants to pour into us. I really think that many times we, we, we are, are shortchanging ourselves when we try to figure it all out. Amen. Are you with me? Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not your own, lean not on your own understanding, right? And so often, I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers to hurting people, but I do know the one who does. And that's our job, that's our, that's our goal, to help people trust 
And you may be tested from time to time. You may be tested in your life, in your faith. And this man, as he changed in his physical, I think there's something that happened in his spiritual life that Jesus goes on to demonstrate the greatest, the greatest message, the greatest thing that, that's going to happen, one of the greatest things that Jesus is coming back for every one of his people. He's coming back for everyone who's believing. And those who died in Christ will be resurrected first, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. There's a wonderful future for the church. Though we have temporary, Paul said, momentarily, right? Momentary seems like a eternity when you're going through, when you're going through a hard time. I'm sure that for the strong right now, it seems like a eternity, a week in a sense. It's just hard every moment. But Paul says these things are moments in comparison to all eternity. The reward that is yet going to come, the blessing that is going to come as they stay faithful, and as you and I stay faithful. You may not know which college to choose, which job God is bringing you. You may not have all the answers what's going to happen in this world that we live in. Jesus still is the Lord of all. Jesus is still the same as he was yesterday, today, and forever. When he walked in the time that he walked in, he overcame so many things that were coming and trying to hinder him. Satan hates when people stand up for Jesus. How many understand? Satan hates you because you've taken a stand for him. But guess what? You're doing some things good. You're doing some things right. If you're having some opposition, you're on the winning side with Jesus. We don't go on looking for trials. I don't, you don't have to, right? You don't have to. They come anyway. They come in all kinds of shapes and forms. But what is in the heart of the Father? He is working through every situation. He's working behind the scenes. You remember the story? I think it was Elijah, the prophet where they were standing in this one place, and, and, and the servant says, look, there's all that he could see. He could, he could see the enemy coming in and closing in on him. And the prophet says, show him. There are more of us than of them. God had more power than the enemy. God has more for us to overcome. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He has come to give us a life that goes beyond the average, goes beyond the natural man. Well, the natural man is saying, I don't have anybody to throw me in this pool. And Jesus says, be healed. You don't need anyone. I'm here. I'm the healer. And so we know the story. turns out that this man goes back much like the village in the previous chapter, believing, change. The Father and Jesus are, says, we're working. My Father is working until now. 
And he says, I myself am working. How do we know he's working? Well, we knew that he was working on the earth, but he's back in heaven. Remember what he said in John's Gospel, chapter 14? Remember what he said to disciples? The disciples were distraught. Why are you leaving? We're just catching, we're just getting to know truth. And I'm going to go. I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you. But he said these words, I go away to prepare a place for you. I go, to, I go away so that you're going to have a place when you come. He's preparing a place for you and I. He's working. He's not only working on the earth through the Holy Spirit. He's working in the heaven above things. And when Jesus talked about whatever you bind on earth, you bind in heaven, so forth. He was referring to that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God wants to link with our world. We want to be linked with the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is more real than what we see even now in our physical way. That there is more, that there is more to life. There's, there's eternal life that awaits us. That is more, you'll be more alive in heaven than ever. You can only imagine. God is good. He's working on your behalf. You know that he cares about your family. He cares about your hurts. He cares about your concerns. The Father's heart is to seek and to save that which is lost. It was the Father in the, in the story of the prodigal son. It was the Father that saw the son at a distance. And now how would he have seen the son from a distance had he not been looking for him? He was expecting the son. Any day, I'm going to see him over the horizon. Any day now, you're praying for your family. You're praying for your loved ones. Any day now, they're going to make a decision. Any day now, they're going to have a breakthrough. Any day now, any moment, there's going to be something. God is working through circumstances. God is working. He's never seemingly in a hurry. Oh, he can move fast. But I believe and I'm convinced that God is working all things together, that he's not only working on the situation that it has a need, but he's working on the person praying. He's teaching them how to wait on him. He's teaching the person who's interceding how to, how to pray in, in the spirit, how to pray with with the, with the word of God in their hearts, praying, being led by the Spirit as we read about in Romans 8. We don't know how to pray, but the Spirit intercedes through us with words too deep to utter. Much of uh, intercession, much, but I can understand it to a degree, is that the Spirit of God actually prays through you. Sometimes it's a groaning. It's a sense of urgency. That's a, that's, a, that's a great thing. That's the Lord himself, the Holy Spirit. The Father understands, secondly, number one, his heart is for all to be saved. Secondly, he understands your heart. He understands your thoughts from afar off. He understands, he knows when you're, when you're struggling, and yet he believes, he, yet he's for you. He understands when you... Tr- fall and stumble, 
yet he's there. The psalmist said, you're not hurled headlong, but the Lord has your hand. Those who have grandkids, I'm looking at my friends because I know they have a couple now. And some of you understand you've had children and taking that first step, I don't know about your grandkids, there's at least one has been running for a while. The second one's not quite there yet, probably. But there's something I can remember, either Cody or Levi or the girls, they took that first step, but you knew what was going to happen. They were going to fall, right? They took a two or three step, they fall flat on their face. And when they're that little, it's not so bad, you know, they're only going down a foot or so, a foot and a half. And you pick them up and you encourage them. That's the father. When he sees you're attempting to step out and walk or to go into territory or to go where you've never gone before, to experience a testing that you've never experienced before, you may say, I'm not sure. And God is there with your, having you by the hand. And I see the psalmist, you're not, you fall, you're not hurled headlong. In actuality, you, you are, um, he is picking you up. I think Anna shared a story about her friend. Is that correct? That it's a friend and she fell over a steep cliff. And then she was held by a bush, but then she tried to squiggle and worm and squirm and she fell further this was like on a youth event somewhere. I don't know how she tied that in. I think she tied it in with God being there for us. But God holds us so we don't go over the cliff. God is there for you. And when you think about your kids, God is for your kids. God is going to be their God. And the greatest thing as parents and as, as grandparents who can teach our children, teach our grandkids is that there is a God that was real. There's a God that we don't have, we don't have to wonder about. We wonder what he is wonderful. A God that is approachable. A God that will accept you when you call upon him. A God that will forgive you no matter what. If you're sincere in your heart if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you. You can have a new beginning today. You can have a new start because of the one who comes to heal us. This man who was, who was no doubt desperate, thinking, I'll never get to this pool. This is the way I'm going to be the rest of my life. I heard a sermon once from someone, I think it was at camp, relating to John on the island of Patmos. Remember, this? John is up in the ears. John was actually uh, brought there to die as one of the disciples of Jesus. And if you read the book of Revelation, the first chapter, John writes this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What do you mean? John was in the Spirit? In other words, even though the circumstances may be dim, rough, extraordinary, there's another portion of our life 
that God himself is working through this situation. God is not stopped by prison cell walls. God is not stopped by tragedies. God is not stopped by things that we cannot see. God is working. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I've had a couple of accidents in my life. I probably didn't plan on sharing this particular accident. A couple of winters ago, I broke this, smashed the little bone here by a tree branch that was under pressure when I was sawing it. And just threw me backwards, pinned me to the ground. I had said, I, immediately I said, Jesus, help me out of this situation. That's kind of what came. And I felt, I felt his peace. And he, I got to find a stick. I'm alone. I had to find a stick to reach my saw to cut my tree branch out of the way. All through that process was like, I could feel his presence. It's like, I know I need to get out of here. So Lord, help me to get out of here. I was able to get myself on piece of equipment and ride back out and my brother was there to help me from there. I don't say that to brag about myself. I say this is that the Lord shows up many times. You know, you know looking back on you, you couldn't do what you you couldn't have done what you've done. Right? How did you make it to that traffic? Sometimes you maybe made a mistake. I've had these, Carrie and I were, before we were married, we were driving to the cities one time, and we were just, you know, flying. I was thinking we were going on to an, uh, a freeway. So I was speeding up to, to go on to the freeway. And she says, no, there's, there's, a, there's a light. And so I was like, uh-oh, traffic was always pulling out, already pulling out. So my instinct was just to keep going, keep speed up, and we missed things, and I look back and say, how did we get to that? God is good. It doesn't always happen. I don't always, you know, God. I'm saying, what am I saying? This God whom we serve is not someone up in heaven that says, oh, I'm just waiting for him to mess up. I'm going to teach him a thing or two. That's not our God. However, Hebrews says he disciplines us, those whom he loves. In other words, he cares about you too much to let you stay on the wrong path. Thank God. He brings conviction. He brings guilt. And guilt and conviction are kind of similar, but conviction really is a God thing. A conviction is that I know I've done wrong, I've messed up. So that, and I know that, but I'm going to God. God, the Holy Spirit, is bringing you back to Him. Condemnation is the devil. Yeah, look at who you think you are. You think you're a Christian. Look what you've done. That's condemnation. Beat you up. You're no good. You'll never amount to nothing. God comes to discipline because He wants to share with us His heaven, His holiness. He wants us to live with Him forever. And it starts now. And we're not called, we're not going to be perfect. So I, I, it's not that we shouldn't strive to be holy. I really believe that we're called to walk. But there's got to be a want to. 
How am I going to get better if I don't want to? And that's the difference. God, the Holy Spirit, is going to work with you till he calls you home. Let me say it to you this way. When you accept Christ, you're justified. Your sins are forgiven. You're ready for heaven. But then there's a way we learn how to work out our salvation. What does that mean? We're working out the rough edges. We're working out the attitudes that shouldn't be there. We're working out habits. We're getting rid of things that doesn't please the Lord. That is the process that we call it sanctification. It's really a process of life, walking with Jesus, where we understand that maybe we struggle with this here, but through the help of God, we got through that, and we're moving on. He broke the habits in my life. He broke the sin nature. I know that we will struggle with this until he calls us home. Paul described this struggle in Romans uh, chapter 7. He calls us knowing what's right to do and not doing it, falling short. Thanks be to God, he says, who gave him the power. So God, the Father, wants whosoever who will believe. He knows your heart, and yet, he still wants you. He still wants to work through you. He still desires to do a great work for the future. And then this final call, we know, was a resurrection through this last portion of Scripture. Jesus described that there are actually two kinds of resurrection. One, that resurrection to the life and to the fullness of heaven. Other, to a resurrection according to the deeds of the destruction, according to the degree uh, a punishment. And so there's two kinds of resurrections. And so all in all, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He finally wraps up kind of, he often would, I would say, like kind of nail the Pharisee attitude. He would often expose their heart. And the Pharisee was so they caught, caught up in being proud in obeying the letter to the law. And they got to it so to a degree that it became all about works and not about heart. And that they would just live to the letter of the law, they would be somehow God's favorites. But Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He wasn't putting down the fact that we need to search the scriptures. He was putting down their attitude. That their attitude, well, look how much I know. Look how much I've learned. And look how much they don't know. And look how they are so sinful. Remember Jesus described two people praying? The one beat his chest. I thank God I'm not like that man. Oh my goodness. And the other one, be merciful to me a sinner. God's heart was more toward the man who said, be merciful. He broke. And he was before the Lord. That's God's heart. He comes into situations 
becomes especially the hearts that are ready to receive him, that are ready. And so often it takes things to condition people. And that's up to God. As you pray and as you believe, we're going to sing one more song. Friends, come back, help me out here with this. I've chosen this song, the king of my heart, and speaks about the goodness of our God. And I believe that we need to declare, if you wouldn't mind standing, we need to declare today that God is good, that we, want, we are not, we're not serving a God that is cranky, cantankerous, that he is a heavenly father that loves us in spite of ourselves. And so let's believe God.